This is the Abrazo's Lounge Podcast, your source for everything iRacing, including race reviews, driver interviews, opinions, discussions, and much more. Here's your host, Mike Ellis. Welcome to the iRacer's Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacer's Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Side 55 Carlos Fonseca, Kyle Fleischman, Lance Gentles, and special guest Ray Alfala. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up? Doing good. Well, thanks for coming. And uh, Ray, thanks for uh, joining us here in the lounge. Uh, let's talk about uh, your involvement with iRacing. Uh, when did you get started and how did you hear about iRacing to start with? Hey, hey guys! Uh, thanks, thanks for having me. Um, I racing. I first heard of it probably um, when I was first in the, in the beta stages uh, back, uh, you know, during uh, during NASCAR 2003. I heard about it uh, like 2007 or so, and then I got an invite to be a beta tester back around May of 2008, and I've been here ever since. So you know, it's pretty crazy. It's been uh, over eight years now. Yeah, that's certainly like one of the earliest uh, membership dates that you can have, right? And it doesn't get much earlier than that. Yeah, I think the the alpha testers were there since, uh, well, I mean, I think they were there since like 04, 05, when it was like totally in, in its infancy. Uh, and then the beta testers came in May of 08, and I think it went public uh, just like a couple months after that. Right. Cool. So, uh, how often do you race? We know you race the Peak Antifreeze series, but do you race other series besides that? Uh, most of most of what I race is uh, is either the Cup car uh, in leagues or or in uh, like the A Open or the NIS Open, and it's all mostly in preparation for the Peak series. Um, usually, if I if I race something like besides the Cup car, it's usually the truck and like C Fix or something like that. Um, but during the during the peak season, a lot of it is just um, you know in preparation for those races. Whether it's uh, you know doing races at the same track or uh, a lot of testing, a lot of testing with uh, with my teammates on a uh, and NX. Right. So uh, let's talk about your hardware you use. Uh, what kind of wheels and pedals do you have, and like how many monitors? Yeah, well, it's a triple screen uh, setup with a cockpit seat, um, G27. Um, I have my computer's fairly, uh, fairly modern, um, except for the the video card. Video card is a GTX 680, which I've had for like four years, so I'll probably be upgrading that um, fairly soon. Uh, processor is a 4670K i5, so it's about a couple years old. It's I mean it's all. It's really nice. Um, not like uh, super, super top of the line, but I still run um, on most, uh, I'd say, mostly high graphics, and it's all really smooth, and uh, most importantly, it's all really comfortable. How was your transition to DX11 from 9? Well, originally, it was kind of kind of rough. Um, when I first um, had the option to go to DX11, um, I was having some stuttering issues here and there um but then then i had one race uh, a couple months ago um where i was on dx9 and the whole race was just spent like almost in a slideshow so i said well i'm just gonna go to dx11 from now on and um it's been it's been it's been good ever since and i think iRacing is really improving their dx11 and they're they're going forward with it and i think we'll see um we'll see them stop supporting dx9 here in the near future yeah, isn't it set to turn off at the next build, right? Uh, I don't know if it's the next build, um, but I think they're. I think next build they might start um, defaulting to the X11 because they're, you know, they're not, right. they're not confident in it, and uh, it'll probably the support. I'd say will probably stop by like year's end. Right, the next build after that, December. Yep. Uh, okay, uh, and the. We're going to talk about the peak antifreeze a little bit more in detail after these questions, but uh, so let's jump in. Do you have any leagues that you're in besides that, or? Yeah, I race in the Ascores Racing League, which uh, runs Sunday nights 
and uh, it's on it's broadcast on LSR TV. Um, and uh, it's a league I originally started racing in 2006 on uh, NASCAR 2003. And uh, a lot of the people that race that series um, are either in the peak series. There's a good amount in the peak series, and the others uh, were there, you know, back 10 years ago when we were racing on there. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun back then, and it's still, you know, still a lot of fun now. It's a uh, thick setups, and we basically mirror the cup schedule um, with uh, half-length races. Um so that's uh that's a lot of fun and that's pretty much uh, the only uh, league I run nowadays uh, with how you know how busy everything is and how much time you got to put into the peak series. Right, right. All right. And um do you use any third-party software when you're running the sim, you know, for dashboards and stuff like that or Yeah, so basically as as you may know the you know triple screens kind of doesn't let you look, uh, see the uh well, it didn't. It was a problem back when uh, when we didn't have the digital dashes. You you could barely see uh, your your gauge and whatnot. So I I've been running Dash Meter Pro on a, on a tablet. Um, and well, now with the uh, and, and that was a lot to see like the oil temperature, water temperature, and things like that. Um, now I pretty much just use it for like fuel calculations and whatnot because you can see the uh, the oil and the water inside the cockpit but uh it's still you know it's still a very useful app all right any others besides that one or uh no no that's about it. team speak obviously yeah you know. yeah you know team speak um but i can't really i mean i'm looking around my computer now to see if <laughs> anything comes to mind but no that's pretty much the only thing uh the only thing i load you know okay and uh, let's talk about that team uh, a little bit, if you can expand on it. And how did they support you? I mean, do you have like a spotter and a crew chief and all that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Slip Angle Motorsports was uh, essentially started by uh, Lisa Pineda, Brian Blackford, and I. Um, Lisa being the, the main owner. And then uh, Brian and I uh, kind of, you know, were like the... Uh, I would say founding fathers, but original members, I guess you could say. I started a couple of years ago, um, and you know, we just we wanted to to have a team to where uh, you know we could you know we we could take this pretty seriously because we you know we feel serious about about sim racing. Um, we've been sim racing for for a long time. I've known I've known Brian since uh, I mean. Probably 2006 or something, or yeah, something like that. Uh, basically, met him in, in the the Ascor racing league that I mentioned before, um, and we always we always kind of bounced around uh, between teams here and there. We didn't never really had like a organized, I guess you know, setting. And finally, uh, you know, 2014, we decided to form Slip Angle, and uh, last year we. Uh, Form alliance with uh, Index Racing, um, and they're you know great group of people, a lot of fun to hang out with, and I think we all you know we all make a really good team. And as far as yeah, my uh, spotter and crew chief is uh, Stephanie Glessentine, and uh, you know her her job is mostly uh, you know I, I don't really ask for a spotter in the sense of uh, letting me know where the car is. Um, I think the the end game spotter does a well, well enough job of that, and the you know the the mirrors and stuff we have is good enough for that, but I just kind of want to know, you know, where the crashes are and what kind of strategy people are doing, and and probably most importantly is uh like uh you know in car adjustments or or pit adjustments. A lot of times I'm too busy to be changing stuff on the keyboard and stuff. Uh, you just have, have them do it, yeah. All right, yeah, so and then the setups that you're working on throughout the week, it, it, you know, that's a joint effort, obviously. Yep, yep. There's uh, eight drivers um, and several more people that help us test. Um, Joey Brown uh, being a big factor there. He he was part of the Peak Series a few years ago, and I think he's he's coming back next year, so he'll be in the series. Um, uh, you know, and there's guys that know a lot about setups uh pj knows a lot about a lot about setups and he's taught me a lot this season uh you know and i, I try to contribute as much as i can um you know pretty much just this season i started uh 
digging into the telemetry side of it, which can be kind of like opening up Pandora's box, but um, you know, stuff like that, and and a lot of it is uh, testing, uh, testing, and and just knowing that a lot of the drivers in the in the team are able to put the push the car to the limit. So when you when you hear somebody's feedback, you know that you know that they're going really fast, and and the faster you know the faster you're going, the more the more vulnerable your car is to to changes and to noticing what you're doing and whatnot. So that's that's a good part about having you know really strong teammates is that you know when when this driver says the car's tight, it's probably not because he's driving it wrong. It's because it's actually tight. Right. Um, we'd usually talk about uh, the special guest stats. So I brought up your stats page. And, you know, incredibly, your winning percentage, which is the one I always look at overall on oval, 42%, and on road even, 32%. But uh, those are some incredible numbers. Your I rating is at uh, 9620. Now, you've had a high I rating for a long time. You obviously win a lot. What do you care about when you go to your stats page? What are you looking at when you go there? To are are you are you beyond the stats and you're just look you know really focused on the series? Yeah, I mean at this point it's uh, mostly focused on the series. Um, it would be nice, I get you know to reach. Uh, the 10,000 I rating, uh, I, I think I I was first one to reach 9,000. Um, and then I remember after I reached 9,000 I rating, the next race, it was uh, it was an, an, an NIS race at Watkins Glen, and I crashed out like lap two. Um, so I finished dead last in that race, lost like 200 I rating or something. Um, and I think ever since then, I haven't been so worried about I rating because, uh, you know, it's so you know once you get to eight thousand nine thousand i rating it's so difficult just to gain i rating and then um you know if you have a bad race or you lose connection or you get crashed or whatever you you're gonna lose so much so you know i, I think i think right now ninety six twenty i think you said is like the highest i've ever been at um but so you know i i kind of look at it after the race it's like oh that's that's pretty cool but i don't you know, I don't really hold my breath too much as far as how high that goes or how low that goes. Um, I guess it's mostly a measure of how consistent I'm being overall. Um, but as far as the rest of the sets, yeah, I'm mostly concerned about uh, the peak series. And um, I know that, you know, uh, for example, the, the average start could be better uh, in my stats just because there's been a lot of races where uh, where I start like last or don't qualify uh, just to practice going through the pack for the peak series and, and things like that. And, and not a lot of the drivers in the, in the series also do that. So, you know, at, at this point we're, we're just kind of focused on, on the the big prize, if you want to call that. So a real quick I rating question too, when you would go into an official race and because you're uh, usually a car number of one or two or three or something like that, most of the time, you're usually uh, more likely to lose I rating than gain it, right? It's really hard to gain it when you're in that situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If um, you know, sometimes if I would run like a, a C fixed race at an, at an odd time, to where it's a pretty low strength of field, I'll, I'll pretty much lose I rating finishing second. You know, and uh, and and winning the race will only maybe gain me like five or six. So right. That's what uh, I was trying to say. Yeah, so I mean, it's um, I I mean, I usually run the high strength of field races uh, just because that's when I'm available to race. You know, it's usually nights, uh, and it's like NIS where the rest of the the rest of the field is pretty much practicing for uh, for the peak series or trying to make pro or something like that. And it's it's almost at this point like I'm always in a league race because I'm always racing against the same people and. And I guess if I, that's kind of what I rating is uh is supposed to be is uh you know putting uh you know similarly uh, drivers of similar speed together and I'm I'm pretty sure once you're in the once you're on I racing for long enough eventually you race you know the same people kind of over and over again. Yep. All right, the final question in our list: most memorable I racing moment. Um. Well. It, 
probably either one of the two championships. Um, you know, I remember after the 2010 season, which was the first season, and uh, seeing my, my friend Richard Towler, who uh, taught me a lot about sim racing back in the day, like 10 years ago. And he won his championship, and uh, I went down to Homestead like I pretty much do every year, and and I saw him, you know, get the trophy on stage, and I remember thinking to myself, man, that'd be really cool if I could do that one day. Um, and I didn't, I definitely didn't have it planned necessarily that it would be the following year and the year after that. Um, so that was, you know, that was really cool going up on stage, and uh, you know, I finished second in the last three years, so you know, right. Very, very close, and uh, I'm second this year again to to my teammate PJ, who's having a great season. And uh, it's uh, it's kind of a shame that one of us is going to finish second, considering we're we're having such good seasons. I think our average finishes are like third and fourth, something like that. So, uh, you know, but yeah, those those moments are really cool, and um, you know, not not people say, well, it's because you know the money and whatnot, but it's it's just because of how far sim racing has gone to where, you know, you can win a you can win a championship in a series and actually go up on stage and and you know, get prizes and whatnot with the other cup drivers. It's, it's really cool. I think it is so cool that NASCAR acknowledges it. You know, that yeah. this is a thing and. And, and they they go along with it, kind of, you know, and, and I love that part of it, you know, and I love that you're able to go to Homestead and get the recognition, and, and that's so cool because I think all of us, uh, you know, want to be where you're standing when you do that, and, and we, you know, compete in all these different series and try to get up to that level, and it's neat to see somebody do it. So, uh, so let's talk about the peak. That's actually our next topic. Um, Three points, boy. I mean, you're right there, and and like you said, PJ is right there too, and he he's running good. Uh, now we haven't had a race since the Glen. We did talk about that last week already, but I wanted to ask you about the Glen and and what did you think about that last lap with PJ and and Conti? And, and there was a lot of talk after the race on social media about was it an acceptable move, you know, and that kind of thing. What do you think? Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to say. All I know is I I definitely had my popcorn ready after the race, you know, <laughs> with everything that went on and uh, on, on social media with whatnot. Everybody seems to have an opinion, uh, but you know, I mean, only PJ can say whether it was acceptable. I think he got, you know, he got the uh, full blame for the incident. Per our, you know, our series has a uh, a an incident review panel, I guess you could say, where you get basically eight points is the maximum points you can get for a single incident. Points are magnified like in the first uh, first five laps of a race, last ten laps of a race, things like that. Um, and if you reach if you reach twelve points on that incident system, you get suspended a race. So, you know, PJ racked up eight right there, but just by one move. But he, you know, but he got the win also. Um, so I think you know, and, and he knows that he knows that. Um, you know, it's a risk he took, but it's also another uh, another three points he took right there. Or actually, I think it was another four points he took, which if he hadn't made that move, he'd be second in points right now. So, right. Um, you know, it was it was an important move. I think uh, I, I don't think he went in there necessarily thinking he was going to hit Conti, uh, but he was trying, you know, he was being really aggressive and uh and at that point, you know, Conti backed up, backed the corner up because he went in there really shallow with old tires, and PJ was already probably trying to think to go in there aggressively, and you know, it kind of adds up to where PJ's on much fresher tires. He goes in there deeper than than Conti by default, and he's trying to be aggressive, so he, you know, he hits him a little bit, and and also, I mean, people people look at the crash and they think that he just totally sent, you know, sent Michael into the wall, but Michael was trying to keep up his momentum. Michael got hit, and he could have. I mean, he didn't. He hit the wall because he wanted to keep up speed to make it to the line first. Uh, you know, if if he would have just not not tried to keep up his momentum, he wouldn't have hit the wall, and PJ would have still gotten by. Um, but it wouldn't have looked as bad as it looked. So it was just you know, it was just two guys going for the win on <laughs> very different strategies. You know, from my point of view, I just as a fan. I saw nothing wrong with the move at all. Actually, it it was good NASCAR racing. 
Uh, it's very similar to what happened at Sonoma with Tony Stewart and Denny Hamlin. Similar situation, you know, last lap, last corner. Like you said, you know, everything comes together, and yeah, there's going to be contact, and it was one of those deals, and and uh, I think Michael understands that. You know, he he probably does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and and uh, I think I think he knew it was maybe coming. Uh, you know, once you take a protective line into a corner, whether it's walking skeleton or any oval, you kind of you're vulnerable because you have to slow down more for the corner, and you know that. You know, especially in oval NASCAR racing, once you know, once you block, you're kind of saying, "Well, you know, I guess I can get punted hit right here." So uh, he probably wasn't he wasn't too surprised. All right, cool. I uh, loved so it. when did you, what was that? But I personally loved it. There's a lot of the times I I watch these peak races, and some of them can just kind of get away. Some of these guys are just—I mean—they're all at the same level drivers, but. Sometimes it's the same guys that can just run away with a race, and I don't know, just something about that that Glen race really had me pumped up. Just like in real NASCAR, it seems like the road courses are just really drawing the eye uh, lately. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be a lot better if we actually had cautions. I think you know what makes a road course exciting in NASCAR, especially is all the restarts and whatnot. And you know, yeah, we, we got lucky the way that the strategy worked out. And that we had, you know, uh, like three cars racing for the win at the end. That was really cool with, uh, you know, PJ going for the two-stopper and then Nick and Michael on the one-stopper. Um, but I think it would be way more exciting if we if we if it was just kind of like a normal race where you had to, you know, make pit stops under yellow and or whatnot and have yeah. late, late race restarts. That'd be really cool. Let's have a debris caution, you know, and them <laughs> up. Uh, okay, so where do you guys race again uh, next? Uh, we go to Michigan tomorrow, which uh, I think statistically it's one of my worst tracks, and ironically it's one of one of PJ's worst tracks. Um, so, it, you know, I, I think we'll still be, you know, we're going to have good speed. I think our cars are good, and, uh, you know, the setups aren't really much different to what we've been running the rest of the season. So I expect to be at least in the top 10, and PJ just always seems to find a little bit of extra in the race. Uh, you know, early, or earlier in the season, it was it was surprising me, um, you know, because I, I would outpace him a bit in, in our testing and practice, and then he'd show up to the race, and he'd be right there even faster. And, and by now, I'm just I'm just used to it. You know, I'm, I'm, PJ is one of those drivers that, he'll excel under pressure he'll you know there he may not be you know he may be lacking a little bit in practice or or in testing but once you know once the race starts he knows what line to run he knows you know some drivers are better in traffic some drivers are better at assessing how fast they need to go how fast they need to push the car when they're surrounded by their drivers and they may not necessarily do that when they're alone testing with just a couple of cars. So he's, you know, he's really good at stepping up to the plate. And, uh, you know, I definitely, I definitely have my work cut out for me. I've never been in a situation where I was racing a, a teammate like this for, for the championship, but either way, it's, uh, you know, it's been very exciting. And, and overall, I'd say our, our team Alliance has, I don't want to, I don't want to say for sure, but we almost have the championship wrapped up, so it's going to be really cool either way. Yeah, between you both have a, quite a sizable lead over Jake Sergio's in third. So, uh, but between the two of you, just three points. Uh, it certainly is interesting here. Uh, we've been watching all year and, and talking about it on the podcast uh, um, as you guys have been going through the different starts. Uh, Twelve so so far. How many are in the season? We have 16 races, so we have four left. Four left, all right. And the last four, so we we just, uh, the first 12 races, you can drop your worst race. Um, and then after that, like the, la- you know, the last four races that we're about to run out, you can't drop any. So if you have a bad race, that's too bad. <laughs> right. And that's really the key, too. If you have a bad race or a do-not-start kind of situation or run in 40th, 40th or something, that really takes you out of it. Yeah, yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, I think they did it just because they want to make sure that drivers are on it the last four races. Um, I'm I'm not sure if, if I'm a big fan of it necessarily because, 
you know, it's not really quite a chase. I think, you know, I think the, I mean, I think if we want to go on to that topic, I actually think a chase would be pretty exciting for our series. You know, a, a modified version of what the real life chase is. If you want to have four aces and like eight drivers, something like that, and have like four drivers competing for the championship at home. So that'd be probably really fun. Um, and I know I'm saying that as PJ and I have a big lead over everybody else, and it was, you know, it's a lot simpler to beat one person versus three, but, um, you know, the, the drop deal, it, 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 you know, when you run it, when you, like, for example, PJ and I have both had really, really good seasons. And, you know, it would kind of suck if we just, like, lost connection, for example, in one of these last four races. And because of the way the rules are, we can't drop those races, but we could have dropped it if it happened, like, one week before. So, you know, I'm not really sure if if that's the best way to go um, as far as a competitor. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm sure there's always improvements and they might even be considering a chase. Who knows? Cool. All right. Uh, let's, let's jump down to the next topic. Kyle, what's up next? Well, next up is the, uh, iRacing World Championship Grand Prix Series. Uh, they ran at Spa and Martin Kroenke actually pulled out the win at Spa. This, uh, and Hutu, we've been following him right along. He ended up pulling out a fourth place finish so and Rocky uh, extends his point lead on it yep yep he's got a what's he got 14 point lead there yeah that's yep. another battle that's uh going head to head right there i think gregor hasn't seen hasn't seen this much uh competition i guess you could say since hugo hugo Luis won the championship in 2011 um i think martin was right there last year as well but not as not as much as this year, and so yeah, it's gonna to be tough for Gregor. Um, so, Martin. so what do you think, Ray? Is Martin stepped up, or is Greg is Hutu just is it the new car and the DRS and the the track and all that stuff that that's changed this year? Uh, it's it's hard to say. Um, I mean, Gregor, you know, it's really kind of impossible to say whether somebody's gotten faster or somebody's gotten slower. Um, I'm looking here at last year's stats and uh Gregor won it over Martin by forty points and they were both they both had very similar seasons. So obviously um they both have been on top of their game you know the last couple of years. Yeah, um, the average actually finish. it was twenty fourteen Gregor only won it by ten over him. So you know he's been he's they've been basically the same speed now for last few years so it's not surprising that martin's up there right now um yep. yeah average finish 1.8 for Kronky, <laughs> 2.8 for hutu oh yeah at seven wins to four wins so they're you know they're they're close and, and i think they have the same rule so you know if uh you know the way these races the start of these races is very important and i think uh gregor was involved in lap one Turn one crash, and he had a good comeback this past week. But of course, Martin winning really stretched out that point lead. He did. All right, let's move on. A NASCAR uh, at Bristol, the NASCAR iRacing series. Our team runs that. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, I'll start off. Uh, well, first Monday we ran at Bristol, and I got dumped by a troll. And I'm not going to really talk too much about that, except you know, hey, pass me. Everybody else can. Uh, Wednesday, I finished 23rd. Uh, Brad Wren, one of my teammates, he got wrecked in a net code deal. Uh, they were at least a foot and a half apart. Uh, and I got caught up in it. Uh, and then, you know, what I also realized is qualifying is big. You know, you got to get on that front stretch. You know, you don't want to be on the back stretch. Um, and I think my teammate, Jose, he, he keeps going down the wrong side of pit road. Uh, so we got to figure out a good solution for that. I think the best solution is just to not run Bristol. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's what I do. I don't I don't touch that track with a ten foot pole, man. I loved that track back, you know, a few years ago when we could actually run the bottom, but I mean ever since because once NASCAR made the changes, we could still run the bottom on iRacing for a few years and then uh they made more updates to it, made it more accurate to where now it's just running the high line, it's almost impossible to pass down low. So I just, it's, I mean, I, I really don't like going there 
our series doesn't go there anymore, so I pretty much have no reason to race there. There you go. Uh, Thursday night, uh, I was running the voice attack plugin, and it basically turned off my ignition at the green flag, and uh, I got ran over because the car wouldn't go. I was pushing the gas, and it wouldn't go, and it was like, uh-oh. And I look up in the mirror, and, yep, they just pile me, pile in. Uh, so that's another problem. So I finished... Uh, pretty bad on that day 23rd friday i got a ninth a great run uh saturday uh i had a horrible run where i had the last pit stall in the front stretch i think it was 22nd and for whatever reason every time i would pull into the pit stall it wouldn't service me but only half the time so you know sometimes i'd pull in it wouldn't work and i just okay I'd have to pull out and go back, go back around and try again. I think I eventually figured out if I had to pull in from the outside lane, it would work. If I was cutting in too too quickly, uh, it wouldn't work. So I found some kind of bug, I think. Huh. Yeah. I've, I don't know. I've never really experienced uh experience If you have that. that pit stall, I don't know. It's, if it was the way I was getting in there or what, but... And then uh, 13th for on Sunday, I finished. It was just... I'm just really slow. But there was enough attrition for me to get a, a decent finish. How'd you do, Kyle? Awful. I came here in the spring, and I ran solid, and I was really looking forward to it. Unfortunately, last week at the Glen, I had to take my sim pedals out of service, like we discussed last week. So I think that was my bigger struggle is it's kind of like that old adage, you never know how good you got it until it's gone. And uh, so I had to switch back to my G27 pedals, and it's it's kind of for me it's like playing with toys compared to the real deal. So I really struggled at Bristol. Um, I think it was Thursday night I ran, and the guy starting on the outside pole there in second place he sent a big brake check through the whole field and six cars behind him, me being the sixth one behind him, we all ended up with blown motors before we even took the green flag on the backstretch. Oh, that's the uh, three motors in one race story, right? Yep, yep. I ran 34 laps Thursday night, three motors. Um, I I did a half hour on pit road. I came back out. I think I ran four laps and some guy self-spun right in front of me and I had a car on my inside coming out of turn two, nowhere to go. So T-boned him. Came back out after another motor, and I ended up running another 30 laps, and the race was over. So, um, And then I ran again last night, and lap 12, got taken out by a blinker. He was getting, we all kept telling him, you know, you're blinking. I don't care, go around me, blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, he kind of warped through my car, and I had a 4X, and I was spun, like, out of control for no reason. <laughs> so... Ended up on the inside wall, blown motor again, and that's basically the story of my week. I, I don't even, I, I think I got 25th last night. That might have been my best finish this week. <laughs> All right. Tough week at Bristol. Carlos, how'd you do? Terrible. Leave it at that. You want to tell us about it, or? I don't even know what happened. Now, let's see. What did I do? I ran two races, I think, didn't I? I think, yeah, I I think you Wednesday. were one and done. I think I ran the Wednesday open, and then I ran the Thursday afternoon open. See, the first one, I finished uh, 18, thought I like 23 cars, so not, not too great of a finish. No, there wasn't that many cars in that split for some reason. I ended up wrecking. I don't, I don't remember why. Oh, someone just turned somebody in front of me and just came back up the track, and of course I run into them and get no yellow. 20 cars spun, no yellow. So I don't understand it. I don't know. Second race that I did, much better. I was running probably a top five the entire race, but I don't know. I missed, I went down the wrong pit road with like 20 to go. So, yeah, I had to go. And along this line, of course, I got caught speeding, so I had to go behind all the lap cars. So everything just went to hell at the end of that race, and somehow got back to ninth. And uh, I top up, ten. Yeah, and it ended up DQing somebody. It was an accident, but I was getting hit like eight times before we even took the green. 
you know, for the last restart. Some guy just kept running into me, gave me a 4X, which punted me into the guy in front of me, and he got DQ'd. Well, at least he DQ'd before he wrecked you, totally. Well, I was one more 4X, so I was going to get DQ'd. I shouldn't, it should have been, I should have only had a, I could have had a buffer, you know, 8X, you know, 8 incidents, but nope. Some guy had to run me over like three times. He, he wanted to go, but thing was, he was like 80 laps down. I don't understand people. It'd honestly be the only reason why I'd want to run up there with Ray and them is because there seems to be a little more patience on the track than pro licenses. It can be uh, scary in some uh, of these splits. Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> oh, yeah, top, top splits are terrible sometimes. Yeah, we can wreck like the best of them. Okay, Lance, uh, you're coming off a win at the Glen. How'd you do at Bristol? Uh, Bristol wasn't, uh, I, like I said last week, I was going to take all that I rating. I earned it uh, at the Glen and throw it all in the trash. Um, wound up um, running in the top ten solid every night, most of the time in the top five. And um, finished, uh, let's see, out of the three races I ran, I finished 12th, 22nd, and 22nd again. Ouch. So, wasn't too kind to you. I mean, 12th isn't bad, I guess. No, after after that uh, that disaster of a race, it, I I was I took twelve, put it in my pocket, called it a win, and took my ball and went home. Yeah, see, other teammates, uh, Brad Wren, he ran Wednesday, and like I said, got wrecked right away in a net coat incident. I don't think we saw him the rest of the week. Uh, Jose had mixed results, I think. Yeah, Jose was uh, another one that was running solid. Top fives, top tens, and just um, bad incidents. luck at the end. Yeah, yeah. Bad except for that some clown. <laughs> except for the one where he kept going down the wrong pit lane. Yeah, and he'd kill himself doing that. So, side note: Hey, um, Kyle, if uh, if you wrap those birds in a piece of bacon, I hear they don't taste too bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lance. What's the next topic? Uh, oh God, lost my spot on the paper. Uh, we've got um, the uh, error with uh, multi-car selection. Um, they're working to address it. That's uh, that's basically the uh, gist of this report. Yeah, they got a, a release for that. And then they also, uh, well, I guess, Kyle, what up, what's up next? Uh, they're releasing the uh, preliminary Season 4 schedule. Yeah, I took a look at it, but I don't really run anything besides NIS, and so it doesn't really apply to me. Right, that's kind of my deal with it as well. <laughs> I don't know, I, I didn't really look at the schedule. I've been running a lot of that Proto GT. I ran like four races this week. Well, we want to announce yeah. it, tell people it's out there, you know, if you're interested, go check it out. You going to run that Endurance Series again? Carlos? A bumping? Yeah. Yeah, depending on how comfortable I get with that. That Audi. Oh, okay. I've only finished one out of eight races with that car. So, talking about road racing, um, they announced uh, the iRacing Italian Grand Prix takes place this weekend. And there's going to be four different starts available. So is that in uh, Formula One at uh, Monza? Yes, the McLaren MP430 at Monza. Also known as the European Talladega. <laughs> there you go. That's about the gist of it. Now, what configuration at Monza is my question. I'd say probably just the Grand Prix. The Grand Prix one, yeah. So I will not be racing this one. I don't even own that car. It's a handful. All right, next topic. Uh, there was a thread in the forum. Uh, David Cater was asking some questions about, how do I make pro again? And so we revisited this topic that uh, iRacing put out in the spring about a series that they're going to start called the NASCAR iRacing.com Pro Series going to run late October through January. 
You have to be a class A only to participate. Uh, it's going to be fields of 43 cars. Uh, grids will be split uh, on by qualifying speed. The grid in each split will be determined by qualifying speed. Splits will be determined by I rating. Uh, qualifying session will be attached to the race session. And it runs once a week on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, top 10 finishers will be considered for a pro uh, license and entry into NPAS. Uh, positions 11 through 20 will be considered for a pro license and entry into NPAS. So, Ray, do you know about this and do you have any more information? Um, well, as much information I think as everybody else has, I think they, they just simplified it. Basically, you know, before you had to, it was harder to explain how to make into the series where you had to finish top 10 into in one of the first three Class A seasons and whatnot. I think now it's just, uh, you know, it's it happens during season four. I mean, it, essentially, it's the same pro series we've ever had, we've always had as far as, uh, you know, one race a week for 10 races, I think it is. Um, except that now it's just, you know, it just goes by splits, just like any other, uh, like world tour, uh, you know, any other official race, I guess you could say you just sign up for it. You have an A license, you sign up for it and you race in your split exit, you know, and it's only, uh, you know, it's only one, one time slot per week. So I think, uh. I mean, I, I, you know, Pro Series is one of the funnest parts uh, about the off season, just sitting there and, and watching, and and uh, and kind of hoping you never have to be a part of it. <laughs> well, you know, I saw this, and from my point of view, I'm not anybody who's ever going to be even close to getting to Pro, as well as most of us on our team. But I look at this series, and I'm like, wow, this is a good thing for us to race. Uh, it's as a NASCAR iRacing series alternative, you know, uh, that series will be over. We need a place to race. Why not go racing this? You know, like you said, it's open to anybody with an A license. They're going to run NASCAR style schedule, 43 cars. Um, why not? So I think that me and my team, we're talking about actually running this, even though we're not going to be in that top 20, probably. We're just going to run it, and I hope other NIS drivers do, too. And we kind of use it as a, you know, a winter series. Yeah, I'm probably going to run a lot of road during the offseason. Try to get better at that. How's that all work with the peak series, though? You qualify for it, and then with the well, peak, at the end, you... it's the top 20 in points. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, the t the top ten in points gets a uh, gets a world championship license, um, which it locks you in to the races. And then the next twenty gets a pro license, which means it allows you to qualify in for the races. And the top three in times of those ten will make it. Oh, okay. I see. So there's still people that can have a pro license that don't make the field. Yep, yep. If uh, if we have full turnout, there should be 70 in queues every race. Right. Wow. Well, so what do you think, Kyle? You think you want to run this with me? Just for well, fun? I'll give it a whirl just for fun. I, I know I'm not up there with those guys, but I'll give it a whirl. That's what I mean, is if we can get all the NASCAR A Racing Series people to run this, this could be a really cool series, you know, especially you get high strength of fields and lots of participation. Not to mention, you could also see just where you do compare to the rest of these pro guys. Well, they'll be in a different split. You but, never know, you might be racing against that guy. Hey, get it the might not races. show up, yeah, you know, we'll see. I think it'll be a lot of fun, and it'll be you know, a lot of a lot of people signing up for each race. Yeah, I plan on it. So we'll see how it goes. I'll, I'm encouraging my teammates to join me. So uh, that's called the NASCAR iRacing Pro Series. Watch for that late October. Uh, let's move on down the list. Lance, what's next? Oh, we got uh, the uh, Byron story. Byron was uh, signed by Hendrick. Wow, we were just talking about him. Last week. So William Byron uh, gets signed. And, uh, you know, he was with Kyle 
Bush, but now he's with Hendrick. Uh, you think Kyle's mad about that? No. Um, I don't know if you caught it during the Bristol rain out Saturday, was it, when they rained out the race? And they did an interview on TV with uh, Mr. Hendrick, and, and Byron was there, and and Mr. Hendrick and Kyle Busch actually sat down, talked about it, and they decided that, you know, that was the better place for him. And Hendrick even said he went and talked to Gibbs about it. And they all kind of agreed to, to uh, put him into Hendrick's program, and he's going to be in a junior motorsports car next year. I think that was more based on uh, on the future. You know, uh, Gibbs is, is just packed. There's no other place for him to go. Right. Um, so yeah, he's, you know, he's thinking about where would I end up if if I go to Gibbs? You know, probably nowhere, <laughs> unless right. uh, Furniture Rose start turns into like a four car team. Um, well, but you know, that's exactly what Mr. Hendrick was saying. Actually, was Gibbs didn't have a spot for him, so that's why he ended up over at Hendricks. Basically, was because Hendricks does have a spot for him. And didn't I hear something about Furniture Row putting a second car in next year? Yeah, for Eric Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Furniture Row is just Gibbs. You know, people, people, you know, the TV people keep saying that it's a small team and it's like a, you know, it's just a satellite, but they're, they're full blown Gibbs cars. Yeah, I call it Joe Gibbs West. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the, the, the drivers consider Truex a teammate because they all have the same setup. So it's a Gibbs team. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Stuart Haas. That's the same kind of thing. Satellite team. Yeah, whenever they limited the amount of teams that uh, one that could be under one flag, uh, you knew that was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Well, it's good to see an iRacer uh, get an opportunity in real racing. We always try to document these things, and uh, it looks like William Byron's on the fast track, boys. So we'll see him in cup before long. Yeah, hopefully he's not just a phenom and burn out like Casey Atwood did. Yeah, I also saw an article actually just today about how he put a lot of his, um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? He he put a lot towards iRacing and really grooming him for this. Yep. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, Kyle, what's next? Well, next we're going into hardware, I guess. Another set of virtual reality goggles. Yeah, Intel has announced Project Alloy. And what's neat about this, as I was reading about it, is it's wireless. There's no HDMI to run to your headset. So it's a VR headset that's wireless. That's the way I understand it. So, And it's going to be similar to Oculus Rift and, and so forth. That's uh, that's the problem I found with uh, with the Vive. Um, you're you're connected with the tether, and that's it. In a seating position, that's not so bad. But when you get up and move around, which really doesn't apply to us, because who has time for any other games? Right. Um, so anyway, that's you know I think it's good for iRacers that. Other companies are getting involved here. You know, this is a big update, you know, that somebody else is really joining the fray, so to speak. Uh, it's going to drive prices down when there's competition. So, Absolutely. And you're looking at a lot of these new headsets that are running the same open source um, hard, uh, hardware that the Vive and other other headsets of that nature are running. So they'll all be, they sh all should be compatible. Right. Okay, next topic. Uh, Michael Main from Main Performance PC has two sets of hydraulic sim pedals left in existence for sale. So he's really clearing them out because he's working on a new version of them. So if you're interested, uh, check it out. He's uh, got a post on the forums about it. Get these pedals. I have them. I love them. Brad Wren has them. Kyle has them. I just shipped my break to go get warranty work on it, but I highly recommend them. Okay, Lance, could you pick up the next one? 
Sure, what do we got? Full uh, CXC simulations, full motion replica simulator DIY kit. <laughs> yeah, I saw this. This on uh, eBay. And it's like CXC simulations is a motion cockpit, people. And it's fully loaded. Everything you need in this package, $10,000. You can buy it right now on eBay. Let me go place my bed. So if you want to get into iRacing and you just want to buy everything at once and you have ten grand, this might be a good price. I don't know. Time to go win the peak license. Peak championship. Ten grand. What do you say? Is that a flight stick? Yeah. Wow. It's a pretty nice looking setup. So, oh, could you race with that, Carlos? Because you use a paddle now, right? Do what? You use a controller now. You think you could race with a flight stick? <laughs> no, I tried that. They have way too big of a dead zone. Oh, okay. All right. Next up is you can design your eighty twenty racing rig with Frame Designer and. We saw this article over at bsimracing.com, uh, which basically pointed to another website called frameexpert.com, where there's a little download now software frame designer program where you can literally put the 80 20 pieces together in a virtual sense and figure out what your parts list is. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, eighty twenty rigs have been around for quite a while. Um, I know uh, I, I can never remember his name. Bot Mueller. Um, a couple of guys that are are deep into iRacing racing and have always come up with some pretty innovative and neat uh, um, eighty twenty rig designs. If I was starting over on a rig, I would be looking at eighty twenty. I think that's where I would go if I was starting over. I built my first one out of PVC, um, and then I moved uh, 1,200 miles, so I couldn't take it with me, and I uh, I, I got the Abutto after that. Uh, a home-built rig is is nice, but uh, there's something about these these manufactured ones that um, the swivel keyboards and everything, the stuff that you really have trouble building with a with a home-built system. That's true. I mean, I I probably couldn't do without my swivel keyboard. That's not something you can really build on 8020 that I know of. You could get it done with the right parts, but it, it wouldn't be the same as, as something that's pre-engineered. Right. So, yeah, if you're doing uh, 8020, check out frameexpert.com. Uh... I'll jump on the next topic because this is something I've been testing. Digital Race Engineer is a plug-in for voice attack. And I mentioned it briefly earlier, but on Thursday in the NIS race at Bristol, when I went to Green Flag at the start, the ignition turned off. And I did some testing by turning off my button box and voice attack and different things at different times. And I've narrowed it down. It was voice attack in this plug-in that turned off my ignition. Not once, but I think six different times during that race, um, the ignition turned off on me in the middle while I was trying to race. And it was a horrible experience. So I'm back to square one with this this software. Um, I don't trust it. I didn't run it the rest of the week. I might run it tonight at the league race. I'm thinking it might have to do with Bristol and how fast those laps are. And it just got behind or something on on all the different things that that plugin does. So I'm thinking it has something to do with that, but I might try it again tonight and see if I can sort it out. Hell, the default voice attack will do that if it has a command. Because I've done that before. That's but why it maybe has it. something to say with your saying, you know, maybe in team chat or something, and it's conflicting yeah. with it. There's sometimes I just said something random, but it made it. A command, you know, initiate. <laughs> yeah, it definitely had problems there. So, you know, I've been trying this for several weeks. Uh, we'll keep trying. You know, I, I think it has good potential. Digital race engineer. Well, just try to find that command and get rid of it for the ignition. Yeah, yeah, and that might be the answer. Just disable that one command. So, 
Uh, Kyle, what's next? Oh, the jet seat. No what? What is it? The Game Tricks KW908 jet seat. The cheap alternative to the GS4. Yeah, so I, I ran across this in one of these forum threads. And yeah, that's what I ask. Is this a cheap alternative to the GS4? Now, we talked about the GS4 last week. That's a seat with the hydraulic flaps in it that kind of push against your body. Well, this is a little bit different. This is a what looks like a massage chair cover. Like you buy one of those cheap things at Walmart that has little massage things in it that you can set on an office chair and it would like, you know, rubs your back and your butt. That's what it looks like. It's $195 and it plugs into your USB cable and the little massage motors kind of move to the, you know, force feedback, so to speak. So it's it mimicking what a what a butt kicker does, right? Like kind of yeah, kind of like a butt kicker. Yes. And some of the people who have used it, you know, are were raving about it, you know. And uh, anyway, something new out there we thought we would uh, tell you about. It's called a jet seat. Anything that tells your body that you're getting some kind of feedback, as long as it stimulates the right portions of the brain, it's gonna, it's gonna um, work for some people. Right. So you can find this on the forums if you search tactile base system and look within that thread. You'll find uh, some links that refer to this product, but. Kind of cool. Uh, Lance, what's next? Looks like we have another DIY project. Yes. Wind simulator. <laughs> it actually does look kind of neat. <laughs> I got a ceiling fan. Pass. I actually have a eight-inch um, office fan that has the the clips to it that you can clip to your desk. I have one on each side, and they're clipped to my um, up post for my monitor mount on my Obato rig. So I don't really need it, but it's cool that somebody thought about that. Well, what you do is you take those fans and you hook them to your speedometer, and the faster you go, the faster your fans go. That's what this is. So I think that'd be cool for open wheelers. For Imagine the steering wheel mount your steering wheel is sitting there. He's got two six-inch fans mounted right above the steering wheel that blow basically in his face. And it's a VR rig, so there's no screens per se. Uh, so you just got this wind blowing, and it basically shows how to wire it up so you can hook it up to your speedometer, so to speak. It's an interesting concept, but I, I think with a helmet, that kind of negates most of that. Well, interesting. Uh, you know, I've seen wind projects like this before. This one's a little bit different because it's kind of a VR cockpit. You know, there's no monitors. Yeah, it's ducted fans, so you're going to get a pretty significant blast. My my thought would be that that would uh, get irritating to the eyes over the course of a couple hours. Just close Well, remember, if you're wearing go. Oculus Rift goggles, though. Oh, true enough. Oh, yeah. All right. So if you want to look that up, search DIY Wind Simulator. He actually has a video somewhere in here, too, of it running. It looks pretty cool. Uh, final topic tonight. Uh, we're right at an hour, so perfect timing. Um, it has been put out this week that iRacing will expand their VR support to include the HTC Vive in their September update. As soon as that support is launched, um, I'll have a full report on it. I've got a I've got a friend that's got one, and he's agreed to let me let me bring it and test it out on my on my motion on my rig. Awesome, awesome! I can't wait to hear about that. Uh, Jose, our teammate Jose Pabon, is interested in purchasing 
uh, VR goggles. And we've been discussing offline which ones that he should get. And he's still on the fence about which ones to get, but he obviously has options now. So Currently, if you're going to get something and you wanted to use it outside of a seated position, the Vive is really the only way to go. Um, with the two little hand controllers, they're they're fantastic. You you've got um, uh, they call it the chaperone system that uh, tells you where obstacles are in your room. Um, that you can see the hand controllers, you get feedback, and it's true to life. You know exactly where they are uh, in relation to yourself. Right. And I was telling him, hey, you might just want to wait for Oculus to put out their next version. You know, obviously, they're going to put out something, right? They've got to. They've got to compete with the Vive. They've got to get some hand controllers um, compatible with their device. Otherwise, the Vive is just going to walk off and leave them. Uh, That was the innovation that I think that uh, the Oculus was missing, was uh, those two little grips. Right. And then now we have this Intel uh, version coming out with their their uh, offerings. So, uh, Ray, have you tried any VR? What do you think of it? Yeah, I've tried. I've tried like the the develop the second development kit um, from the Oculus, and I I mean I think it's it's pretty cool. Um, I'm not really going to go in the route of of, uh, of any VR for at least a few years until they get all the they get everything figured out and have really high resolution. Um, but I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest things is uh, the immersion factor, especially in the open wheel stuff. Uh, you know, I tested it at Laguna Seca. And going down the corkscrew, it actually felt like you were going downhill, which is pretty crazy. Um, so I, I don't know how it would work as far as, uh, you know, how would you hit the keyboard or things like that. Um, I guess you don't necessarily have to hit a keyboard if you map all the buttons on your wheel and you know where everything is. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that could be that could be a feature where you know, say, ten years from now, everybody has VR and we're thinking we're thinking back of monitors as like a distant memory. Oh, eventually it'll head that way. And I've I've done the same thing. I've run. Uh, it was in Project Cars, but I, I I took the corkscrew at Laguna Seca, and I tell you what, you really feel like you're going through there. It's amazing. Yeah. But I tell you, um, if you've got any issues with vertigo, uh, if you tend to get dizzy, um, I VR is not for you, not at all. So I actually have problems on roller coasters these days as I'm getting older. I used to not have that problem, but I do now. So that I would you think I'd have a problem with it? Well, yeah, and that and you're a crotchety old man, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get into final thoughts. Uh let's start with you, Ray. Thanks for coming on the show and talking about your championship uh your three points out and four races to go and Boy, that's exciting. I think uh, I'll definitely be tuning in. So, But uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, um, I'll I'll do more of these if you guys will have me in the future. Maybe maybe after the season, see how things go. And, uh, yeah, it should, it should be exciting. I'll be sure to, to tune in tomorrow at Michigan. And then uh, I think we have three weeks off after that because of the build. Um, but, you know, we, we go back to Darlington and then... New Hampshire and Homestead, so that should be fun. And um, you know, either either way, I think it'll be either PJ or, or me winning the championship. And you know, either result is is good for us because it's uh, you know we're all teammates and you know, we're all good friends. So uh, you know, thanks thanks a lot for for having me on. And uh, you know, I look forward to the next time. Well, you know, we do have a reputation of when guests come on, they usually run really good after after being on the show. So uh, hopefully that extends on to you. Good luck. We'll be watching, and, uh, and you're certainly welcome back anytime. Thanks. Yeah, I need it. I, you know, Michigan's not one of my best tracks, so that, that'll that'll be pretty cool. If, uh, if I end up in Victory Lane, I'll give you guys a shout out. All right, cool. Uh, Kyle, final thoughts? Oh, not too much. Just can't wait for my sim pedals to be back in service and uh michigan this week so hopefully it's not so much of a brake dependent track so hopefully i'll do a little bit better i guess that's about it 
All right. Carlos, final thoughts. Yeah, I got none. Well, actually, actually, uh, probably going to run a lot of uh, Xfinity this week because of Road America. And I don't know, usually do well there. So hopefully I can get all that I already. I lost last week back. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, Lance, Gentles, final thoughts. Yeah, glad to be leaving Bristol in the rearview mirror. Um, looking forward to heading to Michigan. Um, I tend to have decent runs there. Not not great, but decent. Yeah, I think I'm happy to leave Bristol as well. Uh, I'm slow as can be there. Uh, it was a very humbling experience being one of the slowest drivers out there, but somehow managed to survive and get some decent finishes, you know, in some of these uh, some of these races. So. Uh, happy about that. Uh, happy to move on to Michigan and um, excited about this pro series we were talking about coming up uh, late October. Uh, you know, I'm always looking for something to run in the off season to mimic the NIS series, and this might be it. So we'll see. So with that, we'll see you later. Take care. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us at our YouTube channel at iRacers Lounge. Follow on Twitter and Facebook at iRacers Lounge and SoundCloud at iRacers Lounge. See you on the track.